morning and welcome to this episode of Inside the Vault. Today, we're excited to have Brandon Hunt join us from investment management firm, Strategic Capital Fund Management. Brandon currently serves as the portfolio manager with Strategic Capital. Brandon has over 12, year, 12 years of experience in the alternative investment industry and has been involved in over $7 billion in investment offerings. Brandon plays integral roles in product development, fund management, market research, and thought leadership for the company. He is also instrumental in product and industry training, as well as interfacing with institutional firms, due diligence personnel, and financial advisors regarding the intricacies of the company's investment strategies. Strategic Capital Fund Management is focused on developing unique alternative investment solutions that provide attractive risk return, adjusted returns, while protecting investor capital. The company strives to create investment opportunities with superior management teams, cutting edge asset classes, one of which we're gonna talk about today, and distinct product structures that can provide durable income, growth potential, reduced volatility, and low correlation to traditional markets. Um, before we start, I wanna make sure that it's noted that Brandon's comments and opinions here today are for educational and informational purposes only and in no way should be deemed as recommendations for specific investment products. Anyone interested in the subjects discussed should speak with their financial professional. So Brandon, thank you for joining us today. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me on, Stacy. Well, we appreciate you uh, taking the time. I know you're very, very busy, and, uh, uh, but it sounds like an exciting time at Strategic Capital Fund Management. So let's, let's jump right in. Uh, strategic Capital Fund Management, can you just give us a 30-second snapshot look at who Strategic Capital is and how the firm was formed? Sure. Yeah, happy to give you a little bit of background. Um, you know, strategic Capital Companies is really the, the parent company. Uh, we have essentially three different verticals of the business. Um, we formed Strategic Capital Fund Management in uh, 2018 to really um, – you know, build a world-class team in the, and, and really focus on the digital infrastructure market. So we've assembled two different teams. One that uh, focuses on the data center real estate market is their primary focus. Um, and then we have a separate team that's, that's focused on the telecommunications and, and wireless infrastructure markets. So yeah, collectively we put together a world-class team, you know, it's a deep bench, a lot of uh, deep domain expertise, uh, which is, um, you know, probably as you note, you know, extremely important when you're talking about, you know, digital infrastructure assets, they tend to be very technical, you know, technically challenging um, types of assets where, you know, they're pretty inefficient markets and small groups of asset managers, you know, relative to the other asset classes. And so, you know, we think we put together a great team collectively. We've got about 160 plus billion in asset management um, acquisitions, dispositions, experience uh, through our career track records. Uh, and about 150 plus years of, of combined, uh, you know, collective experience between the team. So really focused on the asset class. We're, we're kind of specialists in that sense. And um, you know, happy to be here and discuss a little bit more about, you know, our market and what, what, what drives us and gets us excited. Yeah. Well, I was doing my, my prep, my study, and was on your website and uh, just reminding myself of the team assembled there. It's very strong. Uh, there's more there than, I, than even I knew, but uh, of course I've known uh, I've known several uh, of the individuals involved through the years. You got a really 
uh, top class first uh, notch uh, team assembled. So uh, you've, you, the foundation has been laid properly. So, uh, so what we're going to talk about today, I guess, is, is digital or in more particular, digital infrastructure. Uh, I've learned a re just recently a little bit more about this, uh, but tell us what digital infrastructure is. Sure. It's, uh, you know, to try to simplify, it's probably, you know, the, you can think of it as the backbone of really all of our, our digital economy. It's the backbone of our, our communications and really everything we do digitally now, which, you know, is obviously a huge market. Um, you know, digital assets, you know, are, are growing quickly. And, you know, generally the types of assets that digital infrastructure would refer to fall into a couple different subgroups, but, um, you know, data centers is one of our, you know, team's focus. You know, these are uh, connected properties. They're mission critical or essential assets that are purpose built, right? So they're not built like traditional office or retail or, you know, uh, different forms of core commercial real estate. They're really designed to house server gear. So mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's a high redundancy. It's a very technically challenging, complex, um, you know, very capital intensive type of asset from, from the, the standpoint that it's, you know, it could be $800 or $1,000 a square foot to develop these new. And so we find there's a lot of opportunities in the market right now in the data center sector as the demand for data grows. Um, then we also look at assets like uh, cell phone towers, right, which are, you know, haven't changed really in a long time. If you think back to 1G, 2G, 3G, 4G days, you know, as we've progressed in technology, you know, really the poles are the same. Uh, there's just steel rods on the ground, but essentially, you know, they underpin a really important part of the support of the networks for these carriers, AT&T, Verizon, you know, uh, T-Mobiles of the world. Um, that would be what we call a macro cell tower site. So those would be the, you know, the larger radius as far as the propagation that the, you know, the signal travels. Um, and then you have things like fiber optic networks, uh, small cell, which is sort of a miniature tower, if you will. It's, it's a low power radio node. That, uh, but that signal might only go you know, 500 to 1,000 feet versus uh, a cell tower that could go you know, a half a mile to you know, maybe you know, five or six miles, depending on the topography uh, or morphology of the area. So we are excited about the asset class in general because of the growth we see, but digital infrastructure, you know, sort of like if you think about physical infrastructure, like roads and bridges that carry, you know, they allow cars and, and buses and things, traffic to go along the highways. As you have more population growth over time, right, you need to expand your highways. Um, and very similarly in the digital infrastructure world to try to oversimplify, right, as we create more data, yeah. and generate more data and migrate more data, you need to expand the digital highway. And that's all the infrastructure types of assets that we're, we're discussing. Yeah, that's fascinating. I didn't know there was a macro, I think you used the word macro, and then a, um, and then a smaller uh, cell tower. I didn't realize that <clears throat> that existed. So that, that's interesting. A little, little self-disclosure here. My wife um, sells network equipment, for lack of a better word, uh, to uh, AT&T and Verizon, her firm does. And so oh, they, they support uh, AT&T and, and, and Verizon at these cell towers. So I hear her using a uh, similar lingo to what, uh, what you're using. But um, I think more and more people, most people probably don't even think about it. But it seems like more and more people are going to start to understand, 
hey, there's something behind these cell phones, there's something behind this data. Um, one quick follow-up to that, uh, I think of cell phone towers as obviously allowing cell phones to work. I think of the data centers as more computer or cloud. Is that, am I even right about that? <laughs> uh, good question. So, um, depends, but yeah, mobile broadband, you know, is the signal that's being delivered from the cell towers. So that is for mobile devices, but it's not only your traditional, it's not just cell phones anymore. Right now we have tablets, we have the internet of things or IOT markets. So you have connected devices where, uh, these are now being connected to the macro sites, the cell towers are being connected to rooftop locations. And so you know, as, as broadband technology has expanded, the use cases for those towers uh, has, has changed. And, you know, back in 1G era, right, decades ago, you know, you might have been able to run five different connections yeah. at a, at, at, on one tower. Uh, and now it's just, you know, thousands uh, of connections on, on one site. Mm -hmm. And so it's a wildly different market. We keep getting, you know, more and more technology, denser data streams. And so you're finding that, you know, a lot of this, it's, it's incredible how much data we can, we can deliver from a cell tower location onto a, to a device, a sensor, you know, and that information flowing back and forth. It's really all connected though, because when you ask about the data center, that, that data has got to go and be processed at a data center somewhere, right? Uh, so okay. if you're online and, you know, you're, you're shopping online, for example, and you, you go and you click into, you know, Amazon's website, you know, you can... Right. You're, you're going through a fiber optic connection into one of the data centers, depending on how fast you need that. If you're streaming an Amazon movie, right, you need a low latency, high speed, high bandwidth connection versus if you're, you know, just per making purchases and accessing a database, then that may go to a different data center that, um, you know, right, our data travels at the speed of light, but the data centers compute. So it's not just data storage, it's really compute power, which requires a lot of electricity. And it's migrating that data back and forth between, you know, whether it connects to us on a Wi-Fi hotspot or to goes out to a cell tower or, you know, uh, another type of telecom asset and gets delivered on a mobile device, right? So it's, it's pretty unique. They work really hand in hand together. And that's why you're seeing a lot of convergence between the sort of data center players and, and the tower and infrastructure players are really starting to kind of mesh as, you know, digital infrastructure or communications infrastructure companies. Yeah, it's just fascinating to me. There's so much to learn, the average person, so much to learn. We're getting just a taste of it uh, here today. So um, let's move forward. We, we've talked about AT&T and Verizon, but what, what are the typical tenets of digital infrastructure assets? Digital infrastructure assets on the, on the tower side, and I would say generally on the wireless side, but even on fiber, a lot of times the carriers are your main tenants. So AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, are the national anchor tenants that generally make up the majority of the revenue. And uh, obviously these are large, well-capitalized companies that sign long-term leases. So, you know, we, we've seen across our platform, our average lease duration is about 26 years. And generally your rents are escalating two, 3% a year. So, you know, it, I, I, I hate to get caught up in the complexity of, of some of the tech side of it because we're really not technology investors we're real estate and infrastructure investors and so if you think about it, if you understand commercial real estate you know what if you had a building that you owned 
and Verizon offered to sign a 30-year lease, I mean, that's a pretty understandable scenario, right? Where you'd probably be pretty excited about Verizon as a tenant for 30 years in your building. Uh, and it, let's assume it was an absolute net, so you don't have to pay for anything, right? Maintenance requirements, all this, very similar to, you know, that's really what a tower lease looks like. We own the structure. Um, in most scenarios, it's, you know, we try not to own the land if possible, but, you know, you may buy an easement or do a ground lease. Um, but really, you're just looking for that stable long-term cash flow secured by non-cancelable lease. You know, usually it's got a lot of renewal periods and the, the tenancy, renewal tenancy is um, very high on those assets, very sticky tenants. Yeah. Uh, I'd say that differs a bit on the, on the data center side. It's, it's a mix, right? Because there's so many different types of companies in the data center space. You may have the telecom players because a carrier will have, you know, a carrier hotel proper, um, property is not a hotel property. It's a data center. They call them carrier hotels. And it's where you have a lot of fiber connectivity and, um, you know, phone call handoffs and things like that going on in the building versus a cloud computing data center where you may have a larger cloud or hosting company that's a tenant. Um, and then there's other, you know, large companies that are major, um, you know, uh, some of the largest companies on the S&P to small companies. Well, everyone uses data centers in some way, shape or form, uh, whether they're owning their own or they're outsourcing to a cloud or co-location, you know, managed facility. Yeah, and I'm just thinking, well, while you're telling me all this, there's, there's no way to go back, is it? I mean, we've, we've burned the ship, so to speak. Uh, there's no way to back out of all the technology and dig, digital infrastructure that we're in now. Of course, that's a good thing, uh, but it, it, and, and it opens up new opportunities as well. Um, but speaking of real estate, let me, let me ask you this. Is demand for digital infrastructure driven by traditional economic indicators like traditional real estate? That's a really good question. The short answer is no. <laughs> I think um, there are, you know, obviously uh, to some extent a correlation in some respects, but largely, you know, you see things, indicators like GDP have uh, no proven correlation really with leasing activity um, or long-term, you know, valuations on, on digital infrastructure assets. What we are primarily driven by is the demand and consumption of data and um, really the requirement to support those networks and provide the use cases. So, you know, as we continue to, um, you know, adopt more technology over time and that technology gets more advanced, faster, you know, more bandwidth on our connectivity, we can jam more data right? And our, our video streaming is getting higher definition. And so you see that data is increasing in a huge way, very rapid expansion, you know, growth of, you know, 20 to 40 plus percent, depending on if you're looking at IP traffic, uh, cloud computing spend, if you're looking at, you know, the IOT growth market, uh, you know, huge growth drivers in artificial and, and virtual reality, uh, artificial intelligence. Um, so it's, it's largely driven by our, our adoption of, of the digital economy, if you will. And uh, now we, as you said, we can't really get away from it. We've sort of, <laughs> um, you know, we, we're, we're sort of all in, two feet into the market in the digital era. Yeah, absolutely. Well, how, how has COVID impacted uh, digital infrastructure and everything that you guys do? Yeah, great question. So it's, uh, it's interesting. So I'm, I'm working remotely today. I, I'm doing that quite often now. 
as are, uh, I've seen about 60% of the US workforce in surveys. So uh, remote working, telecommuting, um, you look at distance learning programs or, or hybrid learning programs, some online, some in person. We see more telemedicine. Um, we're seeing a ton of Zoom calls. I, I don't know what they're up to now, but it was like earlier this year, they're up 2,900% of their user base. Wow. Microsoft Teams, right? Um, screen meets, all these different platforms uh, had, a, had a big jump in March where the carrier saw a spike in demand. And so they've been really trying hard to support the networks and you know, Netflix and other companies, streaming services have had to reduce the quality of the video in order to handle all the bandwidth and try not to, for lack of better words, kind of break the internet, right? Um, we're all demanding so much. And so I think it's really highlighted the importance of the assets. As far as performance, you know, we've seen across our platform, we've continued to anticipate we'll collect you know, 100% of contracted rents um, across our platform. We haven't seen any uh, issues on that. We haven't had any deferral or modification requests. So that's been really strong. And frankly, from a valuations standpoint, um, we've definitely seen an uptick in valuations, both on the private markets, but um, you know, which is where we focus. We think there's a lot of value there now because the public securities markets have gone, you've seen them kind of gone wild on, on some of the valuations are, are up there. A little bit frothy on um, you know, some of the larger data center and, and tower reads um, that are publicly traded. Well, Brandon, unfortunately, that's all the, ha the time we have for today. This has been great. Thank you for joining us. I I've learned a lot and I know our listeners will learn a lot as well. I hope you'll come back and, and do this with us again. If someone listening wants to find out more about strategic capital fund management or reach you, how can they do that? Yeah, thank you, Stacey. My pleasure. Great to be on. And uh, best way to reach is probably uh, head to the website, strategiccapitalfundmanagement.com. Uh, we've got contact information there as well as uh, uh, our advisor portal online to help provide uh, uh, complete virtual uh, resources for you from education to you know, learning more about the platform, the market, white papers, research, uh, tons of, of uh, collaterals for uh, collateral for financial professionals. So thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it, Stacey. Yeah, you're welcome. And we look, we look forward, uh, Blue Vault looks forward to learning more about digital infrastructure and being more involved in that somewhat new asset class. Very exciting things there. And that's going to wrap it up uh, for us today from Inside the Vault. We appreciate you joining us. Uh, please be on the lookout for future podcasts or visit our website at bluevaultpartners.com slash podcast to watch past episodes. The topics from these podcasts are still relevant today. So that's going to do it. Have a great day and thank you for joining us.